Isn't it great to hear what God's doing through Life College? Amazing. And uh, it is down to our volunteers and, and tutors and the people that come that really make Life College what it is, not just here in Jubilee Central, but also uh, in North Hull on Orchard Park. And we're so grateful uh, to Savvy for all that she has been doing and how she's just developed and grown everything. Particularly the exciting the other week when I was uh, having to help out a bit downstairs and seeing the amount of different nations that were coming to learn English with us and to see the impact of lives. And I think one of our guests is with us today. Thank you for coming uh, to Jubilee Church today. It's wonderful to have you with us. And why don't we just, uh, Savi, would you just mind standing for a moment? I'd just like Josh and Jen and Joe and Irene, let's just lay hands on her. I just want us, let's, let's put our hands towards her and pray for her. We're so grateful to God for her and all that she carries, the responsibility and the the plans and sorting out things. Let's just pray. Father, we just want to thank you so much for Savvy, Lord. We thank you for the impact, for the kingdom she's making in this city through her own church there at St. Barnabas, but also here among us here at Jubilee. She serves us during the week. We thank you for the extra miles she puts in, the energy, the effort. We thank you for her love for people, her passion for Jesus and a passion to see life transformed. So we just want to pray, Lord, as we go into this next season, as we plan for next term. Lord, we pray for the power and anointing of God upon her afresh. Lord, we just want to pray, Lord, that as through what we're doing through this week, we'd see many people come to know Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it is great to be with you this morning. My name's Steve, and I help uh, lead uh, Jubilee Church. And part of my role at Jubilee is also to serve our wider family of churches in our in regions beyond so last uh, weekend I was actually in Birmingham I was actually having a little holiday but on the way I was just scouting out the area because as a regions beyond we're going to be planting a new church uh, into Birmingham uh, an incredible city and we're looking at the poorest parts of that city I'm going again this week uh, with Abdullah uh, from our church in Trinity Church, London, who's really feeling a call to Birmingham. So I'm going to go with him, pray with him, again, scout out the areas, meet with other churches, because we want to see another church uh, touching Birmingham, reaching the lost in that city. Um, I also the, think the previous week I was in Bradford with some friends of ours, a church that we're very friends with called Light Church Bradford, as we appointed a new senior leader of that church. It's great to see what God is doing uh, in that city. And then Joe and I also spent a weekend with 50 students from Durham University, from our church, Emmanuel Church Durham, and just to see students who are just highly intelligent and passionate for Jesus. Um, Just wonderful, warm, welcoming. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing uh, in the nation and across the nations, but it's great to be with you here uh, this Sunday and uh, to hear of salvation happening here, another person coming to know Jesus this week in the life of Jubilee. And uh, we're so grateful to God for that and all that he's doing. And uh, it's been half term for our school, TLG school. It's great to have uh, a couple of pupils starting before we started. We're just waiting for our Ofsted inspection, probably be this week, next week, once that's finished. Uh, then other schools will be able to refer more, more pupils to us. And it was just wonderful to hear one of our pupils, as it was coming up to half term, was saying she was going to miss coming to the school, and could she have some homework? 
Well, you think this is some of the toughest people in our city that are at the risk of exclusion from school, and a girl is saying, can I have some homework? Isn't it great what God's doing? So grateful how, and that was funded last year by our gift day. I'm so looking forward to giving again in a couple of weeks to what God is doing among us, and particularly to continue to support the work of our Life College. Uh, So I have enjoyed catching up with what God's doing here and listening to sermons uh, online as we've continued our series uh, looking at habits of grace, what it means to be the spiritual disciplines of life as we study uh, the word of God, uh, as we pray, as we fast, as we have times of silence and solitude. They will help us grow in our faith and our friendship, our relationship with God. And today we're going to look at the whole discipline of how we use our time. You know, whatever background we come from, whatever our cultural history, one thing we all have in common is the length of time in a day, 24 hours. Of course, God is the creator. He causes when the sun goes down and the sun comes up. And whatever background we fall, we have 24 hours in the day. And how do we use the time that God has given us? I know for some of us here, maybe we use phrases like that. There's not enough time in my day to do everything I need to do. I just don't know where the time goes. There's just not enough hours in the day. I I try to find time, but I'm hard-pressed at the moment. Many of us feel pushed for time. It feels that there's simply not enough hours in the day. Of course, we have the rush hour in our society. Or maybe this morning we've told our kids, get a move on, we haven't got all day. We use words like urgent, priority, pressing. You know, there was a time in history when we thought telegrams were adequate to send information from one place to another. But today we have, of course, we have the telephone, the mobile, email, internet. We have priority mail. We have Amazon Prime, which I love. You know, you can go on. And the next day, it's there. And we get upset. You know, when somebody sends us a WhatsApp and they don't reply immediately, or send a Snapchat and it's ignored. A Facebook message isn't responded to or liked. There's a rush. However, for some of us, maybe it's, oh, the the day is dragging on. I'm so bored. I can't wait for the day to pass. The day can feel like it's going on forever. We don't know how to fill our day. When we look at the clock, we think hours have passed, but we've just seen, oh my goodness, it's just a few minutes. The problem we all face, whether we feel like life is fast or slow, is not the amount of time God has given to us, but our view of time and actually life itself. And how we can all use the time that we have. See, God is not limited by time as we are. He is outside of time and yet in time. He is the sovereign of time. The Bible says with him one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. God sees the past, he sees the present, he sees the future. But unlike God, temporal and finite man, you and I, we're confined to the 24 hours a day and a certain number of days in which God has given us to live on this earth. And the Bible teaches that time is a resource and a stewardship for which we're all responsible before God for. God has created time, 
God has created us. And God has a good way, a better way of living for us and how we use our time, what we put our energies into. Someone once said this, godliness is the result of a disciplined life. But at the heart of a disciplined spiritual life is the disciplined use of time. Time is key as we've been looking at these spiritual disciplines, the habits of grace, how we can get to know God better, how we can enjoy his presence more. They all come to, are we going to spend time to do them? Whether when we looked at fasting, as Phil did, or Josh when he was talking about reading God's word and understanding God's word as Dan spoke on silence and solitude. It's great hearing about things, but then we need to take time and use our time and begin to put things in our diary, in our day, to ensure that we put those into place. It's interesting, I'm obviously talking from a very Western uh, mindset when I talk about time. There is a phrase that talks about the English clock runs fast, but the Spanish clock walks slow. <laughs> and that's true in different cultures. I've had the privilege of being in different places in the world. And there's such a joy as people see time in different ways as well. You know, if you go to Malawi, a meeting starts at a certain time. You might start walking there, but actually somebody comes past you, who you know, and you spend an hour talking to them because they're important to you. And the meeting just waits. The church meeting doesn't start on time. It starts when everybody's there or not when everybody's there. And there's something joyous about that. But of course, we don't live in that culture. We do live in a culture where actually if you turned up an hour late for church, you missed most of it here at Jubilee. So there is adaption to culture and time. But there's something about our Western culture which often is very washed and instant. And there's something joyous in other cultures that we can learn from, the priority of people over a clock often. Well, how do we understand time? Well, first of all, I think we need to understand it in the light of eternity. Because the decisions you make today do have an impact on eternity. You can experience joy or sorrow on the decisions that you make today. Because life in this world will come to an end. No one will escape this world in its time without dying. We can live like we will never die. But that, obviously that's not a reality. This is what the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9.27. It's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Just turn to your neighbour and say, you're going to die one day. <laughs> oh, some of you look so nervous, as if you were going to curse them. It's a curse. I'm going to die one day. You know, we're so in our culture, we don't like to so much think about death, do we? Or we put it off. But actually, the reality is, it's appointed one day we will all die. And we need to prepare for it because you can't stop it. So you need to do something about it. See, if I were to give you a calendar today and I said, mark on the day you think you're going to die. Well, you don't know the day. I've spoken to people, you know, when doctors have given them a prognosis that the person would die in a short period of time. And yet I've seen those people sometimes just live a little bit longer. 
I've also suddenly taken funerals for people who seemed healthy and suddenly they've died. James 4 verse 14 says this, You don't know what will happen tomorrow. What is life? You are a mist that is seen for a moment and then disappears. And most of us do realise, of course, your life can be changed in an instant. If you've ever had a friend or relative unexpectedly die in an accident, you know what I'm talking about. Everything's kind of going normal. Then the news comes and our lives are changed forever. See, the issue with death is there will be a destination for all of us after death. There is heaven or there is hell. And the Bible says we're all actually destined for hell. There's a broad road, a wide road that leads to destruction. Why is that? Surely if there's a loving God, why would he allow people to go to this separation from God? The place called hell, described as eternal flames and fire. Why would he do that? Well, a loving God is also a just God. And there's a cry in us for justice, isn't there? When something goes wrong, when somebody commits a crime, we want that person to be caught. Particularly if it's against children, you know? Or, you know, if it's shoplifting, we kind of sometimes make excuses for people. But there's some things we think, we want justice to be done when something's done wrong or something's been done against us. But the reality is we've all done something against God. The Bible says we've all offended God. We've all decided to say, we don't want to live with you, God. We want to do our own things. We've chosen a different path. We've gone the wrong way. We've put our, turned our backs on a God who loves us, a God who's holy, and therefore we've been made unholy. We're unclean. We're separate from God and we're separate for his love. And we can't make ourselves acceptable to God. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong. We're therefore all under his judgment. However, as we've again been reminded, as we should be every Sunday as we gather, that in his mercy, God allowed his son, Jesus Christ, to come from heaven to earth. And he died cruelly on a cross. He took the punishment of our sin. As we sang earlier, the wrath of God, the anger of God against our sin and wrongdoing was put upon the person of Jesus Christ. He died in our place. He was separated from his father by death. So we don't have to experience that. That Jesus, by his death and his resurrection, ensured that we can now receive the gift of forgiveness. We can be made right with God. See, we can now come into God's presence. We couldn't enter God's presence as dirty as unclean, but Jesus has made us clean. He has purified us. He's dealt with our sin on the cross. It's an incredible truth. And there's no other way of salvation. We can have our sins forgiven. We can therefore die, but then enter forever into God's presence and one day live in the new heaven and on the new earth. There is no other way of salvation. We need Jesus. I wonder today, have you received this free gift of salvation? Have you known the forgiveness of Jesus? Have you received him? Because if not, you one day you will die and you'll be forever separated from him. 2 Corinthians 6 says this. In the time of my favour I heard you and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of God's favour. 
turn to your neighbour and say, it's now. Now is the time. It's today, it's now. There's, some, there's an urgency that comes. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us. We don't know what today holds for us. But do you know the God who loves you, the God who created you, that you can have friendship with God, that you can be forgiven? Well, today you need to receive the salvation and the forgiveness of God. And we're going to give you opportunity today to say, yes, I want to receive this free gift of salvation. Many of us already have received that salvation, received that gift of God. We know we're forgiven. We know Our salvation is secure. As we sang also, nothing now can pluck us from his hand. We're in God's hands. We're already in his presence. He's made us whole. We will be forever with him. What a privilege and joy to know that God has done us. And now as Christians, it says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. You are now not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. See, we're not our own anymore. We're not living for ourselves anymore, our own selfish ambition. We're now living for God. We're living for the work and the life of Jesus. And as Christians who've been bought by Jesus because of his blood, we're no longer slaves of sin and Satan, but we're now servants of Jesus. And if that's true, then we have no right to treat our talents, our money, our possessions, or our time as our own, because all these things now belong to Jesus. And for those of us that have jobs and work for somebody else, I wonder how would your boss react if instead of doing your job tomorrow morning, you decide I'll just do what I want to do. Maybe instead of actually working on the job, you kind of put up your feet on the desk, took a nap, had an hour break, popped out for a few fags, then popped over to the other side of the office to chat with a friend for half an hour, then thought, I'll just take a two-hour lunch. I wonder what would happen by the end of the day. You wouldn't have a job. You would be fired. But you know, sometimes we can think, well, it's okay, we can do what we like with our time. It's my time. But time is like money. We have to stop using the word our. Our money, our possessions, our time are not really ours. They're now Jesus's. We're only his stewards to do with all that he wants us to do with them. Paul wrote to, us, to the Christians in Ephesians 5, 15, 16, Be careful, therefore, of how you live now, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Interesting, isn't it? It says the days on earth are evil. Why is that? Because they're full of ideas, they're full of values, They're full of destruction that actually want to cause us to do the opposite of what God wants us to do. They're kind of filled with temptations and deceptions that will cause us to miss the will of God. And it says here in these verses, therefore, to make the best of every opportunity. The verb there used means to redeem, to ransom, to buy back. It's used in the sense of to buy back or to take off the market. Well, it carries the idea to buy up for oneself. We as Christians need to rescue the time, to take it back that God has given us on the earth from the many evils promoted by the enemy, Satan. So rather than wasting our time, being lazy, making poor choices, we can use our time for good 
being good stewards of time doesn't mean, of course, that we don't enjoy the many good things that God gives us in this life and in our city. 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, God richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. He provides us with all things for our enjoyment. So that means we can enjoy sports. We can enjoy the TV. We can enjoy Netflix. We can enjoy friendships. We can enjoy the arts. We can enjoy Facebook. But we also must realise in our enjoyment, we're not to fix our hope on the passing uncertainties of the world, whether comforts or pleasure or power or position or wealth, but on God alone. You know, Facebook, who's up, who actually uses their Facebook anymore? I mean, I'm, my, I'm old, so I still use mine, you know. Or uses social media in some way. Who uses social media? Probably 90% of us here. I, you know, we can, on social media, we can keep in touch with friends. We can write encouragements. We can learn new things. However, we can waste our time gossiping, entering into arguments, making ourselves feel jealous as we look at what everybody else's life is doing. We can endlessly scroll through activities just to see what we're missing out on. We can enjoy watching Netflix, but then we can start watching programs that distract us from God, or we keep binge watching so late into the night that we don't get up the next morning to do a good day's work. We can enjoy spending time with friends but prioritising that and not spending time alone with God. We can enjoy sport, but then sport begins to take over our lives that we think, well, I can't be bothered to go to the group tonight at church because the rugby's on, or I'm going to bunk off church early because the football's on. I need to get back and watch it. We can, things that are good, suddenly they can rob us of the time that God wants us to prioritise and can begin to control us. For some of us, time does slip away because we're so disorganised. That's why I often say to people, get a diary. (laughs) Write some lists. Tick them off. You know, on a Sunday night, I sit down with my diary, look at it, I have my to-do list, and I write down all the things I need to do that week. And it helps me to get organised, to prioritise, to think about how am I going to use my time. And I think about my time. Because I can tell you, those of us who are here during the week at Jubilee, anything can happen, can't it? You might be focused on some work, and then the doorbell goes, you need to go and respond to a need, which is fine. So therefore, I have to prioritise, which is why for me, the most productive time for me is early in the morning. So there's, quite often I wake up at four, get up and just work for a few hours first. Because I know by the time I get here, there's not as much work might get done as I want to. But I organise and I think about what are priorities. And we need to do that. Otherwise, sometimes time gets distracted, it runs away. And for some of us, our weeks are wasted. We actually do very little. Some of us, of course, have ill health. And so time is different. And don't feel a pressure that you always have to be doing something if you're unwell. But maybe for some of us, We just need to consider how we are using our time. Some of us need to, if we are wasting our days, volunteer somewhere. Volunteer in a charity shop. Sign up for our next Life College course. Learn something new. Join one of our growth groups. Go to the gym. Get some work experience. 
Because the danger with not using our time well is we just fall into sin. Romans says this to Christians, it says, and do this because we know the time, that it is already the hour for us to awake from our sleep, for our salvation is now nearer than when we became believers. The night has advanced towards dawn, the day is near, so that we must lay aside the works of darkness and put on the weapons of light. Let us live decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in discord and jealousy. Instead, pull on the Lord Jesus, make no provision for the flesh to arouse its desires. See, there are things in this world that will draw you in a way from God and from the practice of living for him. Things that will rob us of the good use of our time including, it says here, drunkenness, sexual immorality, causing division, fighting, being jealous. These are really obvious actions. But it's more than that. Paul says in Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not things on earth. Who here is prone to daydreaming? I am. Do you imagine, maybe I don't want to let you into my mind too much because it's so weird and mixed up. But I can daydream, you know. I can be sitting at home thinking about things and then I, I'm going to get a bit morbid. You know, you start thinking about someone's going to die and then you start planning their funeral and you're thinking about how sad you're going to be and who you, somebody's waving at me. I'm glad you're not, your mind just as mucked up as mine, Elizabeth. But you know, you start to daydream and you start things and then, then I start feeling sad and I'm thinking, oh, who, who, who would I like to come round, you know, if, if, if Joe dies? You know, and what's going to happen with the wardrobe and the clothes? How quickly would I have to clear them out? And would I move? And suddenly your mind goes all over the place. And then you start feeling really sad. And then you kind of come alert with your mind. Think, what am I thinking about? This is ridiculous. Anybody else has ridiculous thoughts like me? Thank you. Oh, praise God. I'm normal. But we have that. But we can daydream all sorts of things. But we can daydream about ridiculous things like that. Or we can daydream about winning the lottery or, you know, what we're going to spend our money on. Who has those dreams? Yeah, more than, more than the first lot. But our minds, we can waste so much time. And God wants us to renew our minds and our thinking. To come off those things and to use our time well. That's why it's so important, as we heard Dan speak about silence and solitude you know, and about reading the word, we just spend time meditating on him. Think about the goodness of God, the kindness of God, begin to hear his voice. That will change us and help us. Paul also says in Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, think about those things. We need to turn our mind off our own anxieties and concerns and fears and begin to place them on Jesus, come before him. Put on some worship music, pray. Begin to take our minds off ourselves, focus them on him. There's just a couple of things as I finish. How can we use our time? Galatians 6, 9, 10 says, So we must not grow weary in doing good, for in the due time we will reap, if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially those who belong to the family of faith we're called to give our time for the good of others to all people but it says here 
especially to the household of faith, those who know Jesus, people who are, are in relationship with him. So we do good to everyone, but particularly we give focus to those who are part of our church family. I wonder how do you use your time to help others in this church family? Or are you just waiting for people to help you all the time? Again, let's challenge our thinking and our time. What can we do to serve and to love others? Maybe you want to come and help us during the week with our life college. Maybe you want to help with cleaning. Maybe you want to come and help join our welcome team, join the kids' work. Maybe just inviting somebody round to your house for a coffee. Go out for a walk with somebody. Cook a meal and take it round to somebody who's unwell. Send somebody in your growth group an email of encouragement. Let's do good to one another. Let's use our time to bless and love people. But also we must do good to those who are outside of faith at the moment. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, Colossians 4 says. Making the most of the opportunities. Opportunities, time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should answer everyone. That verse, that opportunities, is similar to what we read earlier in Ephesians 5. It means to buy up time. We need to use our behaviour and our speech. Spending time with those who don't know Jesus. Having a good laugh. Hanging out with people. But as we do that, let our lives be an example. Speak positively. Don't gossip. Don't put down. Don't pull down. Build up. Meet our neighbours. Serve our communities. And as we do that, we're intentional with bringing the good news of Jesus. There's nothing better that you can do with your time than to demonstrate and speak of the love of Jesus. That will have eternal significance for them. And of course, the best example of someone who used their time in the best way was Jesus. And that's who we want to be more like. See, Jesus actually only had really three years of ministry on earth. He was here for 33-ish years. But three years we read of what he did and I guess in those three years, he could have become frustrated. But he never appeared to get bothered over time and tasks. He was incredibly busy and often exhausted at the end of the day, yet his life was never rushed. He always seemed to have time to love and minister to people. Sometimes spending extended time with just one person, like the woman at the well we read in John 4. He would accept interruptions in his schedule as God's opportunities. You know, we can have our plans and our day set, but sometimes God brings an opportunity and God wants us to get hold of it, to lay down our agenda and see what the Father is doing. Just to spend time with somebody, to listen to them, to pray with them, to encourage them. Jesus cared deeply about people and their hurts. He was full of compassion Yet for every hundred he healed, there were thousands that he still didn't heal or minister to. Was it because he didn't care? Of course not. It was because the need did not constitute the call. The need did not constitute means he didn't have to do it. That was not always the call. Because he constantly walked in the dependence upon God and his time and ministry were controlled by what God was telling him to do. 
And that was tremendously releasing, and I hope it is for us. Because there were people wanting his time and attention. Everybody wanted to find him. But he was not simply driven by the needs or by his own compassion or abilities or his sense of importance. He prioritised his life. He put first things first. He took time alone to be with the Father. He prayed. He fasted. He withdrew from the crowds. He studied the scriptures. You know, in our goodness, and a church leader like myself, we're always guilty of that. We just want to do, we want to meet every need. We try to be Jesus to everyone. But what I have to realise, and what I'm always realising, is I'm not the saviour Jesus is. I can't rescue everyone. And actually, the best place I can do, the best place I can be is before God, praying and seeking, saying, God, your kingdom come, not my kingdom, not Steve's kingdom, not Steve's work, not Steve's ministry. And there's so much need. I don't know if you, you see it every day like I do. The need in our city. The need of people. But we've got to see what the Father's doing. And that's the joy as, as a leadership team here. And as we come and we pray before God and say, God, what is it you're calling us to do? Because there's so much we could do. And believe me, we do a lot in this church, as you know, in serving the needs of our community. But we're not going to meet every need, but we trust in Jesus that he will. And that churches will be planted that will meet the need of others in this city. Let's just stand together as the band just come up. Do you know, who wants to be like Jesus? I do. How are we going to use our time for good? How are we going to buy back time? And there's real application. Do you know what the application is? Is that you make some changes today in your schedule. I've got a meeting tonight to talk about marketing at Jubilee. I hadn't put in my diary that we'd got a North Hull prayer meeting. But if I hadn't, I'd be thinking, I'm tired, but actually I'm going to go to the North Hull prayer meeting because I want to pray for them tonight. Maybe that's one thing for you, or maybe it's tomorrow. You just filled your day with nothing. And actually, tomorrow you might think, actually, I'm going to email a friend, I'm going to encourage them, or I'm going to send a bunch of flowers to somebody. I'm going to use my time in a better way. I'm going to look for that job again. I'm not going to give up. The Bible says it's good for a man to work. Maybe I'm going to come into church on Tuesday and say, look, I've got a week. Please help me. I want to know what I can do to serve. Or that application you've got for the charity shop. Say, I'm going to fill it in. I'm going to go and do something. I'm going to use my time efficiently. Whatever it is, there's a response. You know, Phil spoke so well on fasting. And the application is we need to set out time to fast. Why not plan this week? When am I going to fast? When am I going to use my time? If we don't do it, we're never going to buy back the time. Time's just always going to run away from us. Practice the habits of grace that we've been learning about. Read the Bible. Pray. Sit in silence. Listen to God. Fast. Let's redeem the time. Please do go and bring your children back in. Do go up to them, thank the kids' workers. We're going to just worship God, come before God. Let God stir you in your worship of him because it's actually as we encounter Jesus and our worship of him, that changes all our priorities. Allow God to speak to you about your week, your day, your month. Thanks, Ben.